2: Welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best in scholarship and apologetics. And today, we've got a show lined up on one of my favorite topics to discuss, actually. And that's Jesus' mythicism. And if you've never heard of it, it's this idea that Jesus never even existed. I mean, that, that sounds like a very effective way of Christianity. I mean you want not show Christianity as well, the non existence of Jesus would certainly be a huge problem for Christianity. But is the view really tenable? Should it be supported? And when atheists are advancing this idea online, are they really just making fools of themselves? Well, my guess would say so. That's Albert McAhenney, who is he? he's a retired IT support technician with a BA, in mathematics from Temple University. He worked in the information technology field both in network support and teaching classes to prepare for Microsoft and Cisco examinations. He became a Christian in 1992 and soon began using his lifelong interest in history, logical skills, and ability to process large volumes of information in a short period of time in his study of a history and development of a Christian faith. His interest in the subject of Jesus mythicism goes back to a chance encounter with a conspiracy theorist shortly after becoming a Christian. He is currently in the process of writing a series of eBooks titled A Christian Response to Jesus Mythicism that critiques all aspects of this movement. So, Albert, welcome to the Deeper Waters podcast. Thank you, Nick. Now, I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here, too. Now, my audience probably doesn't know who you are. We've gotten a little bit about you academically, but tell us a bit more about how you got to be doing what you're doing today.
1: Well, what happened...
2: Um, First of all,
1: uh, I became a Christian. Uh, and I would say, well, I, I was raised nominally Catholic, like lots of people were nominally Christian, and fell away as a teenager, which also is fairly common, and I had become a Christian again in, in the early 90s, and what happened is that, that at a, at a, after I had become a Christian, a, someone I, who was in a, a, I worked with shortly on a temporary project. Was a big conspiracy theorist, and this is we're talking mid '90s, roughly, and he had all these videos and books that were all. It was the typical thing, you know the 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 Federal Reserve, the Holocaust never happened, uh, and and every other nutty idea you could think of. And one of them was that Jesus didn't exist. And he said, "You know, you're a Christian. You've got you've got to know that Jesus never existed," which sounded pretty silly to me, um, but. He gave. He said, "You've got to look at this." And so I did. And I sort of. Ch- and at first, it was kind of surprising that these people were making these arguments. And but once I started checking into them to see did they actually have sources behind them, it, it became apparent very fast that they didn't. And so I more or less gave the person the material back and never gave it another thought really n- until years later when suddenly this thing is all over the internet. <laughs>
2: Yes. Yeah. Now you've talked about that. It's a film called Zeitgeist yes. that came out. Could you tell us what Zeitgeist is for those who don't know? Zeitgeist is a three-part conspiracy
1: theorist film. Now, the, now Peter Joseph, whose real name is Peter Joseph Marola, but he goes mm-hmm. by Peter Joseph, made successor films to this that deal more in in economics, and that's not and that and the and the latter two parts of the zeitgeist film really are not the topic here, but so zeitgeist the original film was a three part conspiracy theorist film. The second part dealt with uh nine eleven it was a nine eleven truther type of thing. The third part dealt with the Federal Reserve and international banking and and a the conspiracy theorist there theory there and but the first part dealt with the idea that Jesus never existed, and that all religions were based upon the Zodiac, or, and including Jesus was a sun god, and his, the apostles were the 12 signs of the Zodiac, and various other things like that. And then, he, and then they gave all these arguments to claim that Jesus never existed. And it was all really silly, and it's things I had seen over a decade earlier from the, from the material that, that that person had given me, which was uh, a particular individual named Jordan Maxwell, a conspiracy theorist, and I realized watching this film that Peter Joseph must have seen the same material. And what what ended up happening was a few years later, I came across online an, an interview of Peter Joseph by some cons- on some conspiracy theorist radio program in which he was praising Jordan Maxwell to high heaven and, and basically saying he was the inspiration for the film. And, and, and so, it, it, so it all kind of, at that point, it all sort of fit together. I knew exactly what was behind Zeitgeist, this whole conspiracy theorist idea. But, of course, the, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Because once the idea is out there, everyone can run off in 20 different directions all with their own version of why Jesus doesn't exist. And you've probably, and I'm sure you've seen them all, <laughs> um, yeah. for, you know, from you know, and, and they can't. Like, was Jesus a mushroom? Was psychedelic mushroom? Was Jesus Julius Caesar? Was <laughs> was was and and, and, and and all sorts of ideas. Each one crazier than the next one, and and then some of them are trying to take a more academic, quote, academic approach, as the Richard Carriers and the Earl Dohertys of the world, where they they would say, well, you know, you. We're 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 doing real scholarship over here. Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain.
0: <laughs>
1: and pointing towards the other the Acharya S's and the Jordan Maxwell's. Don't pay no attention to them. We're doing the real serious mythicism over here. Even though we start citing some of the same people, but that's okay. Yeah.
2: I, I like how in the introduction to your books that you talk about this Zeitgeist film and you saw it when it came out, and I think you'd say you made one of the biggest mistakes you've made, right? Yes. um,
1: When I saw Zeitgeist, what had happened was uh, I've always been a history boss.
0: Uh And
1: so naturally when I became a Christian, I started going into the history of the church. And I studied a lot of church history. So so some people were coming up to me because they knew this and said, have you heard about this? You know, I've got this friend who showed me this movie. Mm. And and once I started hearing it, I said, oh, you know, that sounds like something I, I read 20 years ago. There's nothing to it. And, and I just dismissed it. And then, but after a few people asked, I was curious and looked at the film. I found it online, found a transcript that was all the same sources that I was familiar with, all garbage. <laughs> and then w- went, I went down the line, then I looked at the movie, and, and I just laughed. It was so bad. It was
2: so
0: bad. Mm-hmm.
1: I just laughed at it. I, I, I just thought, nobody is going to believe this.
2: Yeah, when, when I saw it, from, I was like, who do we sue to get the last two hours of our life back?
1: <laughs> yes, that's pretty much it. And, and, you, <clears throat> and, it's, and it, it, it's amazing the excuses people will come up with to defend the film. It, it just amazes me. Uh, I'll give you an example. D.M. Murdoch, who's also known as Acharya S.,
2: and she's your biggest fan, right?
1: Oh oh she loves it, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> I, I, I I if she had a Christmas card list, I don't think I'd make it, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> if she had one because yes. Yeah. Uh, Maybe she well, has we'll
2: a Saturnalia say, list.
1: Yeah, the Saturnalia list. Okay yeah. then. But, but one of the one of the things she because obviously there is by the way, just for people who are curious, there is no Egyptian mythology in which Horace is crucified. It doesn't exist. (laughs) It it just, there is not. Horace was never crucified. Mm -hmm. End of story. The end. Not anywhere. And what what she did to, because what I think honestly happened was when she wrote The Christ Conspiracy in 1999, she really didn't know any better Mm -hmm. that she was reading these 19th century crackpots like Percy Graves and Gerald Massey who, are, who were completely bonkers, basically. And just taking them at their word because it was what she wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So she just regurgitated a lot of it. But these people weren't scholars. That went, and when she realized that basically there was no crucified horse, she, she redefined the word crucified. Yes. So, so now crucified means just having your arms extended. So, so when, I, when I do jumping jacks, I'm being crucified. Mm-hmm. If, 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 you, if any picture of a god or deity of some sort, if they're raising their arms, they could be casting a spell, doing a
2: dance, you know, raising the roof. Um.
1: <laughs> well, dang, I've seen
2: some people crucified in church, Finn.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, they, 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 no matter what, or, you know, they, they could be flying through the sky in the shape of a falcon like Horus or they could actually be executed on the Roman cross. It's all the same now. See, mm-hmm. that's that's since so you just redefine the word crucified to prove they're all, to say, "See, see, I was right all along. Of course, if if they um if if the claim in Zeitgeist had been at the beginning to say instead of Jesus was crucified, Horus was crucified just like Jesus. If they had said, "Horus has has a picture with his arms stretched out, just like Jesus, everyone would have gone. Yeah, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because they used the word crucified, which obviously means to be affixed to a cross, to actually be crucified, cru- it has it has a meaning, you know, and it, it, it has to do with a a form of execution.
0: Yeah. But
1: by by basically equivocation. Um, <laughs> You, you suddenly stretch the definition to include anybody stretching their arms out. Like when I uh, when I wake up in the morning and I stretch out, I'm, I'm crucifying <laughs> myself. Apparently, uh, it, it, you know. What, um, so you know, if, if you if you lift weights, you're you're crucified. That's that's it. But this this is the silliness that goes on because they have no evidence for it. And and what I would say to anyone, and I've challenged every Jesus mythicist, who claims Zeitgeist is correct. Just this challenge. Find me one living Egyptologist who will say, who will look at that part about Zeitgeist, you know, that list, crucified, you know, virgin birth,
0: whatever,
1: that whole bit, and go,
0: yeah, yeah, that's
1: about it. Doesn't have to be perfect, just they're on the right track. Find one. Mm -hmm. Um, When I ask ask these mythicists who are backing that sort of thing to to do that, they, they come up with lots of excuses, but they don't come up with any names. It's <laughs> <Right.
2: laughs> Now, let, let's, let's be fair about one point here, also, to be sure. You have said that S. S. D. Murdoch isn't a scholar. Okay, fair enough, but she could just come back and say, well, Albert, you're not a scholar either, so why should we listen to you more? You, you shouldn't. You're absolutely true. You shouldn't. You shouldn't listen to me
1: because I'm not a scholar, okay? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't take my word for it, but and you've read the books. I, yeah. I give, I give sources
0: mm-hmm.
1: are scholars. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have intentionally avoided, even though I could have used them as sources. I have intentionally invo- avoided people who have the reputation of strictly being Christian apologists, right? Like, like I, I even though like I like J.P. Holding, but I'm, I, and I would use J.P. Holding. Like I cited him once to say J.P. Holding said this, but I wasn't citing him as evidence for a position. Right. I I would, but I would cite, I would certainly cite, like on an Egyptology question, I could cite Eric Corning. On a question on, on the... On well, church history, I, I could cite Yaroslav Pelikan, mm-hmm. et etc you, you know, you could. Uh, I'm citing real scholars, including some on the other side who would be considered skeptical um, rather than Christians, But the people I'm citing are scholars. Yes. So if you have a problem, take it up with them. Okay, right. you, don't, you you don't have to take my word. I'm not. I don't want you to take my word for it. Yes. That, that's why. I, and you've seen how many footnotes I have in these. Oh things. yes. If, if I were a scholar two-thirds of those footnotes could go away. Yeah. yeah. But
2: the only reason I have so many footnotes is I'm, I'm co- trying to cover all the bases. Now, when you talk about which ones you do cite, you're even making a point, I think you say, to not cite specifically Christian scholars, because I don't see you regularly citing, say, Mike Lacona or Gary Habermas, even though they'd both be excellent sources, or even Edwin Yamauchi.
1: Yeah. I I've cited them once in a while... When and, and I, I I cited Christian scholars in certain instances where it's it's a non-controversial thing, right? Like I, I and and generally like for example when I when, when I dealt with no, in, in portions where I deal with Gnosticism, there are two pre- prevailing theories. One is that Gnosticism arose either basically contemporary with early Christianity, and, and here we're talking Gnosticism in a general sense, not Gnostic Christianity. The Gnosticism form of Christianity. And then it was applied to Christianity as another form of Gnosticism. That's one theory and the other theory is that Gnostic Christianity is the only type of Gnosticism there ever was and it was a a heretical growth out of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Now I've listed um, a Christian scholar as an example of someone who believes the latter position but I'm not depending on him to make a point just to say here's an example of a scholar who takes view B, and here's like I gave view I gave um, Ed- Edwin Berger and and on B I gave Yamachi so so I, I, I've given these different these different uh, people as examples but I've not, I'm, I'm trying to it, on controversial topics give every position you know, if it's not controversial, then there's it really doesn't matter who I cite <laughs> because they, yeah. they, it would be up to them to come up with a counter-citation
2: yeah. Now, <clears throat> when I was on the Atheist Analysis show being asked about this, I remember the whole thing that, uh, when we look at the number of scholars out there in the field I mean, they'd have to be, what, the 8% who are mythicists? I said, go lower. Yes. 3%? Go lower low. still. Well, how low are we talking? I so said, maybe how like point no, no. .0 Go ahead.
1: That's three. <laughs> How about just three? <laughs>
2: yeah, three out of like a few thousand or so, right?
1: Yeah, three out of tens of th- you know. I mean, look, and and there may be someone we don't know, mm. but ob- but obviously he's. It's not someone who counts. If 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 you've never heard of the person, uh, you you know, and the ones we do know, I, I'm. Not sure how many of them actually teach at at a university. I mean, people people with PhDs like Richard Carrier has never taught at a university, as far as I know. And the same and and Robert Price, I don't think no longer does. I don't know if he, I you know, there he did a video thing I think for for some university, but I a few years back. But I, I don't know that he's has a tech. Neither one of them has a tenured position at a university, certainly.
2: Now, when we're talking about people in the fear, we're talking about specifically New Testament or classical history, we're not talking about like say philosophers or scientists right. who or PhDs who say Jesus never exists. That could be a larger number, but people who are in the know in the subject area
1: i i, I to give you an example of just how how low on the totem pole this is to how to, like you you may be talking for people who have a tenured position at a university. In a, rel- in a related field who say Jesus did not exist. Not people who are, who are you know, Jesus agnostics, okay, who might yeah. say, well, maybe, you know, but people definitely say Jesus, I think Jesus didn't exist. We're talking two. <laughs> two. Yeah. Um, three. Mm-hmm. but th- to give you a, you know, if you're talking people with PhDs, you might go up to five or six, seven, but, mm-hmm. The fact is, I can name you three people with PhDs in physics who are geocentrists,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who believe who believe the Earth is the center of the universe, and they've got PhDs in physics or astronomy. Uh-huh. Okay, you can always find somebody to believe in, in with a with a PhD in in a relevant field to believe just about anything.
0: <laughs> no. It no.
1: doesn't, it doesn't mean. <laughs> That 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 validates the position. It just means, you know, every field has its cranks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, has now, its cr- has its poor off base.
2: Yeah. Now, you've talked some about Richard Carrier, who I'm sure is very well known to my audience, since he's a very popular as a, a prominent internet blogger, as Tim McGrew prefers yeah. to call him nowadays. And uh, you wrote e e-book, Meet the Mythicist, and it's got one of the best yeah. lines. I'm probably not going to quote it exactly, but it's a, but it's like. There are many things that can be said about Richard Carrier. Humber is not one of them.
1: Yes, that's that, that is you You got it perfectly there. That 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 that, that is exactly it. and 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 anyone who's ever read his blog or his his, his looked at his website where he be internationally acclaimed, um, you know, and 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 goes and goes on about you know he, he his his. His his positions are world known and something. It's just like no, no, nobody knows you really outside of your fan club. I mean, yes. it, you know, I'm not knocking it. Look, the guy has a PhD in history. He had to do legitimate. Where I'm not saying he's stupid it, by any means. Right. He he had to do real work. To, to get that PhD so at mm-hmm. some point he did real work in history it had nothing to do with Jesus but he did a he, he got his PhD and and you know that's that's to his credit but he's not this you know world known and, and, and oh here it is it says I got I brought it up it says Richard Carrier is a world known, world-renowned author and speaker um, and published historian, philosopher, prominent defender of the... Amer- etc. And, and it goes on about his publications have received international attention. Yeah, maybe on the atheist web, I guess. You have a couple of different countries that's international. It's, but it's not... It's giving you the impression that he's in the midst of... in, in the center of of the academic Jesus... historical Jesus conversation or something. And, it, and it's nothing of the sort. Um... I've got a friend and, who's
2: a who just got back from the UK and he's studying for a ThM over there, and he's talking with the best scholars that are over there, and he's gone to him says, and asked "Do you know who Richard Carrier is?" I say, "Who?"
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and it, it's again, you, look, he he's not a stupid person. Right. I think he's he's in, in many he's an ideologue. Ideologues. You know, and and here's the thing: people don't realize really intelligent people can convince themselves of really stupid things. Yep. Particularly when they're motivated by an ideology, Mm -hmm. and we're not, you know, it's. But this is what happens when you when you're so it it has almost become an obsession with him, Um, and and it's. I just find the, his arguments really, really strange. Um, it, it, and, and, and his use, because I had a mathematics background, his use of, of Bayes' theorem th- to be almost funny. Um, if, if you know anything about mathematics, some of the ways he uses Bayes' theorem, it, it will just have your head, you, you, you just... Your eyes are rolling, and and I'm sure you, you, if if anyone wants to know more details, you can talk to Tim McGroom, who has a PhD, I think, in in mathematics. Or, <laughs> um, but it's it's just re- it, it it's very painful actually for some because I have some background in it to know, to look at what the way he uses Bayes theorem, and and it's very arbitrary. He just sort of picking things out of thin air, and 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 claiming this is an it was one of the things of Bayesian analysis to come out with new information, but he comes out with something that isn't new information. It's old information, and and it doesn't really apply. And
2: he misapplies the, the, the theorem. And Tim McGrew has talked about ma- it that it's a garbage in, garbage out.
1: Exactly. That's the, fa- the that's the famous um, the, in, in, in 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 IT in, in the computer. Computer field, GIGO, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Basically, you could do all the right calculations, but if your if your starting point is garbage, your end is garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's and that's pretty much what what happens with carrier. And particularly, you know, the whole thing the dispute he had a few years ago with with Airman was, was absolutely hilarious from mm-hmm. from my point of view. I, in, in fact, I, I would say that if anyone goes to my blog and and look up just search do the search in there and look up Richard Carrier and there'll be an article titled Barterman versus Richard Carrier on Jesus Mythicism and and just read that and and because that, I I'm not going to get into it here because it it's too long <laughs> a topic by itself but if you want to know about what I, what I think of, the, of Carrier's arguments and I expose all of them they're all in there so yes. you, you can you can go take a look.
2: Now, Bart Ehrman had, there's a tape of him speaking somewhere, I think it's like the Freedom From Religion Foundation or a place like that, and he has said that, uh, you know, just because our scholars, or pretty much 99.9% of scholars in the field agree Jesus existed, that doesn't mean they're right, and you know, we'd have to agree absolutely that doesn't mean they're right. But he does say, you do need some pretty convincing evidence, because for the most part, you're just making yourself look foolish. But let's go with that first part better. Just because 99.9% agree, we can't say, okay, end of story, Jesus existed. How will we begin making our case? Okay.
1: What you would have First of all, what you would have to do is... Now, are you talking about if you were a mythicist, or are you talking about a Christian...
2: If Making you're a Christian, a how are you going to make the case that Jesus existed? Um, the first thing is,
1: and, and, to, and to me, now, now I have a different approach than than most people, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I, I have a lot of respect for for like other approaches. But I, I begin with the the premise that if Jesus had never existed somebody would have noticed before the year
0: 1783.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and here's what I'm saying, okay? You have Jesus, or at least the the Christian faith in one of them, and and Jesus, and arguably Jesus, and Jesus definitely in two, and arguably in three, um, with, with Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, and... Pliny the Younger and and Suetonius. Mm-hmm. I forget how you pronounce his name. I know it's not exactly Suetonius or Suetonius or something like that. But but if you you read what they wrote, um, and and, I, and by the way, I've got my own original theory for the for the crestus thing with Suetonius. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> the the but in terms of the, the Christians and, and all of them name them and, all them, and, they, name, and they name Christ and, and, and the people who say for example Tacitus could be naming anyone sure anyone who was crucified by Pontius Pilate who was called, was called Christ was crucified by Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius it was either Jesus or somebody
2: who was Jesus
1: <laughs> and, and someone who
2: had a mischievous superstition arise afterwards that reached Rome Right, right. You know, and, and, there are hundreds of people like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The point is, you know, I'm willing to to listen, but you have to admit that based on that, the leading candidate would have to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got another candidate that you can verify, then by all means do. Because see, mm-hmm. and, and this is this is one of the things you always get with mythicists, double standards. They'll say, for example, well, you know. You've got to have all these restrictions on evidence for Jesus. It has to be this A, B, C, D, E, and meet all these conditions. But they can just throw some, throw some unidentified phantom out there and say, well, it could have been somebody else. Well, name one. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to hold, you know, you've, you've got to hold the same, the same scales <laughs> for both sides. So go ahead. The only candidate is Jesus. It's obviously about Jesus. When he's younger, when he's talking about the Christians, and and he he mentioned they worship this guy, like he said, God. Obviously, he thought this was a man, right? Because they're saying, or he wouldn't be surprised that they were. If if he thought they were, they were an ethereal being or something. You, he wouldn't be surprised that they were worshiping him. He obviously thought this was a man.
2: Um, We can even look at the earliest critics of Christian Christians and. Celsus and periphery, None of them dared say Jesus never even existed. Not even Talmud said that.
1: None of them. None of them ever said. No one. And and remember something. Okay, you, you have Tacitus. Tacitus is not only a member of the Roman, not only a scholar and a and a historian and a mem, and a member of the Roman Senate, but also a governor in a province in Asia Minor. He is friends. With the governor of the other province, of the next next-door next door province, who was Pliny the Younger,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and obviously, th- th- I think it's it's pretty pretty certain that there was some exchange of information because they're both dealing with this problem with the Christians,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you have, Suetonius, who not only was used to work for Pliny the Younger, because Suetonius was not born into a an aristocratic family; he was born more middle class. He worked for Pliny the Younger, and then later was hired by the by Caesar. By the Caesar I forget which Caesar it was. Um, may have been the I, I mean, special. I'm not sure. But he was hired by one of the Caesars to be to basically be the head of the imperial archives.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you, you've got if, if there were some stories going around about Jesus not actually existing, one of them. When they're dealing with the, the topic about the Christians, would have said, you know, and this guy may not have even existed. And this guy, you know, but no mm-hmm. one ever mentions it ever. Mm-hmm. And we're talking in the early second mm-hmm. century here, early second century. That, you know, if so, you're going to tell me that this mythical Jesus idea, that like for example, with Earl Doherty saying that people really at the beginning didn't didn't believe in a in a historical Jesus and this heresy this or this whatever this idea was it just vanished off the face of the earth in 10 years and and in fact you, you know someone like Irenaeus who deals with every heresy from day one to you know he he, he even blames people he just he even people who were who were relatively orthodox, like Tatian, he even accused them of being heretics. This guy was the hardest line, hardliner of all, and he never mentions this. Right. He never mentions Mm -hmm. it. So obviously there were no groups who believed Jesus didn't exist. So to me, the fact that you don't find anyone believing that Jesus didn't exist until the French Revolution (laughs) should be and, and it an indication that maybe it's not that serious a position
2: well you know it's interesting that you talk about all these people that uh, never mentioned the non-existence of Jesus because geez, we got people like Michael Polkovich and others and John Rimsburg who came up with an impressive list of people who never mentioned Jesus and I mean, these were people who lived around the time of Jesus and when I mean, you think such a figure as, as famous as Jesus everyone would be talking about him and they don't even mention him. Isn't that well, odd? Well, first of all, why would he be famous in Rome?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, think about this.
2: From
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Roman perspective, from the Roman perspective, mm-hmm. okay, Jesus was this guy that they. Had, there were rumors about him doing what. And you got to remember at this time, in, in this period, it wasn't that the idea of sorcerers and magicians, and and, by, and I don't mean the entertainment magicians, I mean people casting spells and that sort of was fairly common at that time and place. So the idea that someone might be doing something like this, people might think he's a sorcerer. In fact, that's one of the accusations in the Talmud, right. <laughs>
2: that he was a sorcerer. Celsus uh, said the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, I'm sorry? Celsus said the same thing, didn't he? Yeah,
1: Celsus said he, he, he thinks that Jesus, Celsus believed Jesus learned... His sorcery in Egypt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so the, the, this this would not the idea of there being people who could do magic in in the in the uh, sense of the occult magic is not was not far fetched in those days. That they they believed that was a a definite part of the culture. Mm-hmm. That, that so well, he personally wouldn't have stood out in in that sense because there were lots of people running around claiming they could. Do wonders and 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 you know a lot of them were probably frauds and a lot of them were probably nuts mm-hmm. and some of them may have gotten lucky. But <laughs> but the fact is that you know it was not a, an uncommon thing to say that you could do this. And of course, look, do, do, um, who was the, the the guy a couple of years ago in in the Pentecostal movement who was who was like he used to try to heal people by punching them in the face? Are you, Bentley. Yes, yes, Bentley. Well, he claimed to raise 12 people from the dead. That's a lot more than Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you ask most mythicists, who's Todd Bentley? I mean, I can't even remember his name, but just now. Uh, they, they never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and this is during the information age. This guy says he raised 12 people from the dead. How could you not know him? Well, here we're talking in, 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 in the days when, you know, when things had to be carried by foot or mm-hmm. <laughs> on a ship. That you don't have, you know, the, the media. You, you, there, there were no, there were no iPhones in,
2: in the Roman Empire. <laughs> you can't turn on CNN.
1: Right. You, 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 you they, they didn't have God TV where you could just go and look at the the latest Wonder Worker, you know. <laughs> mm. And 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 you, no, it wouldn't. Have, they, they wouldn't have known. They, they, they yep. wouldn't have been that. It, basically, what would what would have happened if anyone knew of Jesus at all? Who was a Roman? They, it would have had to been that they just happened to be in Jerusalem or in in, the, in in somewhere around that time and period. Heard about this guy. Heard he went to Jerusalem. He caused trouble for a week and they killed him. that's that's, that's yeah. You, mean, you know how many people the Romans executed? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they they had they had almost like an assembly line going on. I mean,
2: Jesus wasn't the only one. You know, in fact, um, we, we could say not only did they kill him, they crucified him yeah, and that yeah. would make it even worse yes uh, it, it, it
1: you know that, that was not that for example when when paul was executed he mm-hmm. didn't get crucified because that doesn't happen to roman citizens right roman citizens could not didn't did not get crucified they they got beheaded i'm not saying that's any better but <laughs> but it, it's quicker um
0: mm-hmm.
1: but crucifixion was it was in a, a humiliating form of of execution Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but when you you're dealing with so, so first of all the idea that he should have been known is ridiculous it just it, no you know from the from the Roman point of view he caused trouble for a week he was dead by the end of the week okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it that but was it
2: There's a scene in the Bible miniseries <clears throat> whenever Ali and I have watched it it's about Potter ordering the crucifixion of Jesus and after you're mm-hmm. he'll say. He'll be forgotten within a week.
1: <laughs> Basically, from their point of view, he was he was forgotten within him. I mean, I'm sure from the Roman point of view, he was pretty much forgotten until the Christian movement became a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because the Romans looked upon everything as as pretty much, it, and, and, and in a lot of ways, honestly, Rome then was like, America, America, Romans then were like Americans now. If it doesn't happen here, it really doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they, they, they you look at, at Roman, and here I'm talking about Roman authors, not authors in Judea, not authors who were Jewish, but Roman authors. When they do mention uh, the Jews, it's usually wrong, it's usually insulting. Um, it and 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 it's and it's usually rare. In fact, the the only time I really remember, I can say offhand, somebody did mention one of the Jews. It was you. It was it was in I, I know um, in Parallel Lives. I think they mentioned Herod, Herod the Great, um, King Herod. They mentioned him, and that was strictly because of the. The, the, they were dealing with, the, the, with Augustus and, and Mark Antony
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Herod had originally sided with Antony and then switched sides um, when, when Augustus won mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: and, 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 and they were mentioning mm-hmm. him in, in the midst of that but y- you don't see Jews being mentioned and this is one of the things Pope, um, a few people um David Fitzgerald in the book nailed another
2: terrible. Oh, one. I was about to mention that one. It's yes. about how he says that there were scores of people writing about messiahs in the time. Yeah. Who? Yeah,
1: <laughs> he said there were scores of people writing about you know these would-be messiahs. Well, if they were, their writings haven't survived because those writings, if they existed went up in flames like most of of Judea did in Mm. 70 AD and again in 125 AD when the Romans crushed the two big revolts. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, if if they were writing about these would-be messiahs, they certainly don't survive because we don't have any. The only would-be messiahs we know about are the ones that are mentioned by Josephus. That's Uh it. Uh That's the only... That is the only... um, would-be messiahs we know about is a few mentioned by jo- josephus in that p- in that time period but you don't see there's no scores of writers in fact one of the tim o'neill who i'm sure you're familiar with oh yes who's he's an atheist but in honor a very honest atheist uh-huh. and who's very and and he's very knowledgeable in history he in fact challenged challenged fitzgerald to name these scores of writers uh-huh. And Fitzgerald's answer, when he did, he did a, this scathing review of Fitzgerald's book where he just literally just took it this, took it apart. Oh yes. Um, and then, Fitz, he said, "Well, you know, these the scores of writers that are that are prancing around in David Fitzgerald's head somewhere." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Fitzgerald's answer was, "Well, you know, my manuscript originally was was a lot bigger, and I had to eliminate some stuff to." To get it down to the so many pages, okay. Well, some stuff now. Now, what now, give us some of that stuff back, like those names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his excuse. It was. It was. And, and the way O'Neill put it was, it was the equivalent of the dog ate my homework. Right. But <laughs> it was. Polkovich. Pulse. Let, let me just get the Polkovich from there. Polkovich. Okay. The 126 names. Almost, there, there were a few that weren't even that were that died before Jesus' ministry, so that right, really doesn't right. count. Um, there were a lot of people who, who, who weren't historians at all. There was one guy who was a botanist. There was another guy. There was a mathematicians, astrologers, playwrights, uh, all sorts of people who, who even if they were living in Jerusalem, wouldn't have had any reason to mention Jesus. You know, and, and you know, the, the only the only thing I could think of with the botanist is maybe the botanist grew fig trees and you know, and he made an association... I, I, but, but, um, I, I don't, I don't, you yeah, you know, he, I grow trees. He's nailed to a tree. I don't know where he <laughs> expected Jesus to come in on that book, um, the, the book about trees. Uh, there were there were like dozens of people who, even when you're dealing with historians, if the one one um book this historian ha- has that we have that's extant, if a one book was on the Punic Wars um why would Jesus be mentioned in the war between Rome and Carthage?
0: <laughs>
1: I just
2: don't get it. <laughs> and yeah. and Hannibal came as army Oh, by the way, a few centuries after was a dude named Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean you know um you, you know um
1: <sighs> it it it's 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 absolutely it's it's an these these this list out of them you may have made an argument for maybe one or two people okay
0: yeah.
1: if you out of the whole one hundred twenty six you could say one or two people could have mentioned jesus
0: mm-hmm. and
1: one of them would have been, let's say, um, Philo. Philo, But even there, Philo was interested in philosophy. Mm-hmm. So if, he had, if Philo had been around a hundred years later, when there were more philosophers joining the Christian movement, he may have written something about it then, but not mm-hmm. at that point.
2: And not if I, contrary to what people think, Philo wasn't even in Jerusalem at the time, was he? No,
1: he was not. He, in fact, he, he visited Jerusalem once, mm-hmm. doesn't mention when it was, so we have no evidence that he was ever there at the time, and we, there's no reason for Philo... I mean, I, and, and and there's also a fallacy here I just want to bring up. You know, in all... in this, I've written seven books in the series, and in none of them have I ever mentioned Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I, I'm not aware of his existence. Right. Just because someone didn't mention them, it could be... They chose chose not to mention him because they weren't interested.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for example, in this 126 names, some of them are in the third and fourth se- in the third and fourth century. Well, by then we've got plenty of people writing about Jesus. So obviously, if this person is at all educated, he's aware of the Christians, he's aware of Jesus, he knows about him, but just chose not to write on him. So those names, you know, things like that are just silly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: something that you and I have used together on forums like the unbelievable forum is that we'll take someone like say a guy who was the head of the Carthage army who nearly conquered Rome one of the greatest generals of all Hannibal now this is a guy who would definitely be worth talking about how many contemporaries talk about Hannibal zero so by the Memphis standard Hannibal doesn't exist right
1: I don't, and, and here, here's the important point That First of all, when you're dealing with Historians Particularly Roman historians, and I'll get to that in a minute Roman history History is basically about the past Right So historians tended to write about the past mm-hmm. So naturally Any mention of Jesus is going to be In the past mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what history is So can, you, if you eliminated said this person has to have a contemporary source, you're going to eliminate huge chunks of of ancient history because there are no contemporary sources they write about them in retrospect mm-hmm. that all of our evidence about them is in retrospect mm-hmm. you know that that's that's you know that that's the way it is um they write about them they they write about things in the past and and now when you're dealing with someone let's say like a Tacitus um there's a fairly good chance, I, I would think, that someone like Tacitus, who was considered a one of the more reliable historians, would have mentioned that there were some stories that Jesus didn't exist. If there were such stories, which I mentioned earlier, he, he's, he you know, generally, if he says something, I, I consider that we take his word for it. Because there's a number of things Tacitus says that that were that he could not have seen that are in the past that we take for granted. Uh, one of the one of the other names I like to bring up is Boudicca
0: uh-huh. Queen
1: Boudicca the the, the the in 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 the Britons who mm-hmm. led this incredible battle and for a while was really really kicking their butts, you know. <laughs> she was she was really giving them problems. And she was this warrior queen until she finally was defeated, um, in this epic battle. But the only mentions we have of Boudicca are Tacitus and Dio Cassius. Dio Cassius was born after, long after she died. Tacitus was two years old when she died and, so, <coughs> and was not in So anything Tacitus has is hearsay. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I, I'm thinking right now. <laughs> and, you know,
2: the the Methodist won't accept hearsay, so therefore Boudicca never existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking but, right now I, that uh, Richard Carrier has given this talk about comparing the idea of Jesus' resurrection, the Caesar cross and Rubicon, and he'll go to his college students and he'll say, every historian of the age talks about it. Appius talks about it. Dio talks about it. Um, Plutarch talks yeah. about it. So me he talks about it. He says, every historian of the age. He doesn't mention the earliest one would have been at least 100 years later.
1: Right. But even, but even, even that, okay, even if there had been one, even if, let's say there had been one, mm-hmm. okay, of course, the guy just conquered Rome. The people you're writing for are Romans. They'd be they'd be interested in that. Right. They're not interested in some wonder worker in Judea who got killed after a week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it, it it of course. Now you you may have made an or you could have made an argument. Let's say that we if we had extensive records for, you know, documents thousands of documents from Judea during that time period, and and. There's no talk of any of the stuff that, you know, you, you may have made an argument there, but no one in Rome is going to care about that. No one. Mm-hmm. No one. Um, and and, and, that, and that's, that's... This is the sort of thing, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating when you hear nonsensical arguments like this as if they, as if they mattered. As if they, because it, there is again, there is this double standard, and I and the perfect example is Boudicca.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there is no, um, no reason by their is standards to reject to to accept Buddha as existing unless you accept Jesus as existing. And Buddha would have been mu- you have lots of reasons for Boudicca to be much more famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, she. Is she, she, they, they, they were worried about her. They weren't really. Nobody outside of Jerusalem was re- really that concerned with Jesus at that point. Um, and certainly, remember, Pilate is not exactly going to be writing home to the Caesar and saying, "Man, did we just have a close one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy was going." To, that's not something the Caesar wants to hear. He. Generally, as you're probably aware, when you're dealing with emperors, they only want to hear good news. (laughs) They're not going to write home and say, you know, I had to put down
2: another rebellion. (laughs) Uh Unless it becomes really serious. In in fact, when we're talking about the messiahs that Josephus wrote about, for these ones that he talked about, you had to call out the Roman army to do your offense. Yes. You never had to do that with Jesus.
1: No, no. Basically, um, they... with Jesus it was was, you you arrested him you executed him and you went home for dinner and that was it (laughs) you know there there was no until the story started coming around and and his followers were saying that he was risen from the dead and causing a ruckus that's when suddenly it becomes an issue so you don't really expect anything to happen until you don't really expect them to be mentioned until they it 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 reaches Rome basically and 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 gets a critical mass, and that's exactly what happens yeah. because that's when you see um, the the suddenly Jesus mentioned in Tacitus and 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 Suetonius and and in Pliny the Younger. That that's when you see it, and then you see more mentioned in the in throughout that the 100s, the throughout that second century, you, you, you start seeing the, his name mentioned more and more and more until, of course, by the third century, it's pretty much common knowledge. Um, so, uh, you know, because the, the Christians are a significant point of percentage of the population by that point. But I, there's one other thing I do want to mention while we're on this topic with Polkovich is mm. that there, there's always, and I've always got to drill this into people, there's always this argument, well, that doesn't count because it's hearsay. Right. Right, and and the idea is hearsay is inherently hearsay means I heard it from someone else, and the idea there is that hearsay is inherently unreliable. Mm -hmm. No, it's not true. It's reliable as the people as as the chain. It is as reliable as the chain. Like Mm -hmm. if if it's I heard if if it's let's say Tacitus writing on something, and you have good reason to believe he got it from another historian who who was there. When it happens, or then that's a pretty reliable chain. Um, so you, you, it's as reliable as the chain. See, this idea they have is that hearsay, and and they'll, you know, well they don't accept it in court. Well, the idea, the reason they don't accept it in court is not because hearsay is inherently unreliable, but because defendants have the have the right to to question their accusers, and hearsay, of course, you can't question the accuser because he isn't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the reason it's not accepted in court, not because it's unreliable. So, yes, hearsay evidence, like Tacitus, it's perfectly acceptable, and it's used all the If we didn't have hearsay evidence, we wouldn't have history.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that a lot of these people are aware, complain that the Gospers, for instance, aren't eyewitness accounts, so they're not reliable sources, and then if you can give them convincing evidence that there are eyewitness accounts such as using Bachems, then it becomes, where eyewitness testimony really isn't reliable anyway.
0: <laughs>
1: I, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's basically, with certain people, it will never be, nev- there will never be enough. Right. There will yeah. never be enough. Okay, so the, the, the point with what I would say with Christians is make your point so any impartial... Person, any or even someone on the other side who's open to evidence, you present the evidence and let them make their minds up. The, 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 I think one of the fallacies I think people get into, in particularly when you're, you're arguing in, let's say, internet forums, is that they have this idea that I've got to have the last word. Mm-hmm. No, you've just got to. You can have the let the other guy have the last have the last word if he's just continually making a fool of himself. It doesn't right. matter. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and I. I I've done that in a number of cases. Basically, you make your points, you you be succinct, and then and, and you
2: present the evidence and sit it out there for everyone to see. Yeah, Greg Coker has said that uh, if your opponent wants to make a fool of themselves, get out of the way. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. If it, it's not... It...
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you, oh, go uh, ahead. Do you think a lot of mythicists also do buy into a lot of all-or-nothing thinking where it's either... Either a Jesus never existed, or a Jesus is a resurrected, miracle-working son of God. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um,
1: now, and and, and what, what happens is that, what, and, and this isn't universally the case, but what I find with a lot of mythicists is uh, that they're former fundamentalists. Right. Um, in fact, one of the books in the series I'll be doing will be on the connections between fundamental with, with extreme fundamentalism and Jesus mythicism. How how in many ways their their arguments parallel each other. Mm-hmm. Only one is blaming it on his one is saying it's because historic Christianity is pagan. The other one's saying because Jesus didn't exist. But the arguments are identical. <laughs> right. Um, it's it, what happens is they they have this very very. Uh, almost naive, I don't want to say naive, but this this superficial understanding of history and of the gospel and of the transmission of the New Testament. And once their bubble bursts,
0: mm-hmm. once
1: someone is able to give them some something that show that their little bubble they've created in their minds of perfection that that it is that the transmission process isn't perfect, that everything isn't you know just so the way they thought they suddenly take that same mode of thinking and jump sides right so this is what you get with someone like dan barker who uh, mm-hmm. one of your favorite boy oh, you've written on him yeah <laughs> you and you and jp give you a little plug you, jp you just made that book on the freedom I, I, um a good book by the way i read it Round. <laughs> The 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 uh but but the um Barker was part of a very fundamentalist Pentecostal church uh, and lost his faith. And now he's still a fundamentalist. He's still a fundamentalist. Now he just switched sides. Yeah. I mean, his, his me- methodology is exactly the same. Mm. It, it, the way he approaches problems is exactly the same as when he was a Christian, fundamentalist. Only now he's just doing it for a different team.
2: There was actually a, a chance, in fact, that I could have been debating Dan Barker a few years ago. And if that ever came up again, I would jump at the chance immediately.
1: <laughs> He's an interesting fellow. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't yeah. seen it, you, you've got you've to look at that. Ex- if you, if you oh, go God. on YouTube... I know where you're going. <laughs> and, 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 and Google, uh, don't quote me, bro. <laughs> don't quote me, bro. There's a video... Where Dan Barker is debating James White on the existence of Jesus, on whether Jesus was a myth, and James White is about is starts by mentioning what Dan Barker has written in his books on the topic, and prepared to basically show why it doesn't matter. And Barker gets upset and doesn't want White to read out of things he's written that. Barbara himself has written on the topic. He says you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't quote out of my books. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, um, it's it, it's one of the it's one of the funniest. Th- I, 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 I okay, that, that's but but if, if don't quote me, bro. Just Google that or do the search on YouTube. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever
2: see. <laughs> yeah, one am thing also is something like that. You've said that. If you're going to be a mythicist for Jesus, eventually you have to be a conspiracy theorist.
1: Yes, because basically, what has happened? You, yes, once if you're a mythicist, you have to be. If you're going to be consistent about it, now you know lots of people can can be anything without being consistent. I mean, there's no rule saying pe- Most people aren't consistent. I'm not going to say I'm perfectly consistent in all my beliefs. Um, it but. If you really carry it out, you have to be a conspiracy theorist because you believe that all these, these people got together and made up this story where they wanted to get everybody to worship some Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the story is that, well, we we executed him. Now, and we're, they're writing this, remember, for Romans. We executed him we executed this Jew, but he was. But he's he's a god, okay. So now we have to worship him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know it, it, it. and and but in the meantime, we're going to torture all his followers. <laughs> so if you if you go and worship him, we're going to torture you. But eventually, it'll be okay.
2: Yeah, it's kind of Joseph Atwell's hypothesis, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you, you know, eventually, you. And the one thing I will give Atwell credit for is he definitely took it to the to its logical end. He took mythicism. That's basically what you pretty much have to come up with something like that, like the Jesus was Caesar idea, or you know, some crazy idea like that, where there was
2: this conspiracy,
1: you know, this this hidden conspiracy to, to
2: you know. When you, you um, talk about Atwell There... I can't but yes. remember that my debate with Ken Humphreys, which you're one of the people who was helping me prepare for. I'll be fair about that and honest about it. But when I was debating him, we started talking about the Gospers right off and how I'd said, okay, uh, what genre are the Gospers? And he said, historical fiction. Said, Do you have any scholars who support that? I got a list of scholars as long as your arm. Could you give me your definition of a scholar and that is where the a rather hilarity very started, I think.
1: Yeah. Um basically what you find with mythicists is a scholar is somebody who agrees with them. Right. Um
2: I I mean I've
1: got, I've been into arguments with people who insisted that that um Tony Bushby was a scholar. Who insisted that DM Murdoch is a scholar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who you know who even insisted Jordan Maxwell is a scholar. And, and, and honestly, as, as much as I can criticize D.M. Murdoch for some of the crazy things she said over the years, mm-hmm. um, Maxwell and Bushby have her beaten in, in, the, in the loony bin department by, by a mile. Wow. I mean, she's, she's actually toned things down. Uh, Bushby was advocating that the, that the Gospels were written in the 4th century, mm-hmm. that Constantine wrote them.
2: Well, maybe John Loftus would go along with that after his debate with David Wood.
1: Uh, maybe I don't know, but but I mean it's kind of hard to say that they were written in the fourth. The Gospel, the four Gospels were written in the fourth century when you know, we've got a manuscript from the second from the second century that has two of them in it.
0: All right. <laughs> it, 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 it's um
1: it, it's that, that's but that that's the sort of and and to be fair, I mean you, with mythicism... You, you, there's one you've got a wide range in terms of those who are who at least sound superficially plausible
0: mm-hmm.
1: some of the arguments might sound superficially plausible and then you have things that uh, you, you have no idea where they're getting these ideas <laughs> right. I mean, you, they're just so insane that you and, the, the, and, and sometimes, I'll be honest, the insane ones are the harder ones to disprove, because you don't even know how to begin.
2: If, right. If,
1: if, you're, if you're that far out, how do we even begin? You know, because it's, sometimes it's very difficult to get a starting point. It's, it's like trying to convince someone that the Earth is a sphere, yeah. if they think it's flat. You know, it's like talking to a flat earther, basically. You, you, you don't even have a common language <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to use. So so, that, so when you're dealing with someone that far out, because what happens is... is and even when you're dealing with a lot of mythicists, is they just... Basically, what, whatever evidence you present becomes part of the conspiracy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's, it, it's like, well, look, here's evidence, let's say, from, from this writer that... The, from that, that time that that's not true. And he says, well, that, well he was part of the conspiracy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it, 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 just, it just keeps going around in circles. And at some point you just simply say, okay, this person is, is just crazy. <laughs> and you just let it go. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing you can say other than to present the evidence and in an open way. And so anyone watching, let's like say if this is on a the forum, they, they, they'll, they'll be able to pick it up pretty quickly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'd like to remind everyone that you're listening to the Deeper Waters podcast right now. I'm talking with Albert McElhenney, who's written A Christian Response to Jesus Mythicism, an excellent e-book series. If you're listening next week, well, I don't really know right now who's going to be on next week because I'm working with two different people. I'm going to tell you who could possibly be on. I have two guests in mind. One of them would be Debbie Hirsch, who's written the book Redeeming Sex. That's going to be a very interesting talk. And then the other would be Greg West of The Poached Egg, one of the most popular project sites online. Both of those are potential guests that we've been working on. So who's going to be here next week? Well, I guess you have to tune in to find out. But for now, we've got Albert MacRoheny here. We're talking about Jesus Mythicism. Now, you were just saying that some of the crazier ideas are the hardest ones to deal with because you don't really know where they're coming from. And actually, I'm thinking right now that Mike Lacona was recently on Julian Charles' show being interviewed, and he said Richard Carrier was probably the hardest debate he had. And it's not because Richard Carrier is such a smart guy and such. I mean, I'm not saying he's an idiot, but it's not because Richard Carrier is a much more dazzling intellect than Bart Ehrman or something like that, but because Carrier's ideas are so different that you don't see them when you're reading mainstream scholarship, and you have to go and Look at all these ever-bizarre claims.
1: Right, exactly. And, and that's
2: one of the reasons
1: I started writing this series. Mm-hmm. Because when I had first been confronted with this evidence, I'll admit, when I first saw it, I was like, could this, could, could this be true?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is why I can sympathize with, with your average Christian in the pews who can be totally, totally blown away by some of this. I mean, there are people who I've known whose zeitgeist locked their world. Right. I mean, they, they really, because they'd never been exposed to it. And the same thing happened to me. I just had no idea about this stuff. But I looked into it, and I found out where it came from. And so I was very familiar with the material. One of the reasons I started writing this series is because a number of people who had, I thought, had there were a number of people who treated the topic well, like the Holdings, Shattering the Christ Myth. That was a very good collection of articles. That's great. You know, that's a really good resource. Um, I and and the 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 answer the one that was the um, there was a response to the Pagan Christ. Um, I'm trying. To, that, that, Stephen uh,
2: Bedard and Stanley yeah, Porter. Yeah, his his response to the
1: it was. Unmasking the Pagan Christ. That's one. Right. It was. Stephen Bedard. That's an excellent book. Um, there was a there was a a, a an amateur writer, if you want to made David Anderson, who wrote a book called Myth, question mark, which I thought was a good, I think for the, a good beginner's book for the material. It, it's more or less just like, you know, responses, just straightforward responses. Not a lot of um, necessarily in depth, but it, it covers all the, all the bases in a, in a very, gen- and I think that's a, that's a good introductory book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem was that when you're dealing with, with scholars, they don't deal with these people uh, who make these claims they don't face these people you and I would probably have a better have more experience dealing with Jesus mythicists than than
2: Mike Lacona does right. or
1: you know, other law does because he, he's not going to
2: be dealing with them right. <laughs> you know um, the reason we, Bart Ehrman even wrote the book was to get up the point with because he says atheists keep siding me, saying that I say Jesus never existed I don't say such a thing yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was basically Bart
1: Ehrman wrote that book, be- and, and the, the way I remember, when I blogged about it originally, I I, um, I, I was you know, I I made I made a blog post that said that made the point that when you come down to it, Bart Ehrman thinks mythicists are nuts, and Bart Ehrman wants you to know that Bart Ehrman is not nuts, <laughs> and that's and that's pretty much it. I think that was the reason for writing. writing but he—he, he, no, he was very nice to some of the mythicists. They weren't very nice to him, but he was very nice to some of them, saying, you know, well, then look, they—they they presented it in an academic. He—he—he he, he complimented those who at least presented it in an academic fashion. Yeah. Um. Even though he still thought, I'm um, look. Well,
2: let's be honest. He still thought they were nuts. I, yeah. mean, I mean When he, I when I read the book, it was kind of like he. You could get the impression he was like, "I can't believe I have to write this stuff out <laughs> yeah.
1: as opposed to when he was dealing with let's say freaking gandhi or mm. or a when he just totally weight them. <laughs> um, uh, but he, he, apologists are the ones who deal with these people, mm. not scholars. We have much more experience dealing with mythicists. Right, um get right. you know, the the Honestly, my whole theory on... Now, look, look, to be fair, Bart Ehrman read The Christ Conspiracy. And to be honest, when I wrote a review for that book on... on I have it online. It's on Amazon. I I gave it the title, Plan 9 from Jesus Mythicism. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're familiar with the, the the supposed worst movie ever made was Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. So I called this Plan 9 from Jesus... It was that bad. Now, her newer stuff is... In my point, just as far out there, but it's presented in a much it nu- much better. It's it's right. argued much better. Mm-hmm. It, the, it the points aren't any better, but at least superficially, like you could read the Christ conspiracy without any background at all and know the book was just
2: nuts. Uh, I'm thinking about think Martin Luther described Christians as being forgiven as snow covered dung. And that's the think of thing I'm getting in mind.
1: Well well well, let, well let's put it that way. Her newer books are snow covered dung. Mm-hmm. The Christ conspiracy was just dung. <laughs> um,
0: yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, uh, to be honest, I mean it you know, because she still makes the most ridiculous citations. Um oh, and and I've I've got a c I've got a, my my all time favorite if, if I had one Acharya S my favorite Acharya S miscue of all time. Um and I and I'm, you, I, I know if you you have seen this you've seen it in a book, uh in, in in a couple of the books at least, um, which was the the, the uh the Addis one with, with Oh yeah William um she, she cited someone mentioning Addis as being the castrated and crucified Addis and 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 he was using this as evidence that people used to believe Addis was crucified. Well, when you actually read the person she cited, um what he's actually writing about is not Addis in ancient history, but Addis as he was as he appeared in a poem by william Butler Yeats in the in the twentieth century <laughs> mm-hmm. and it had to do with the a poem, a poem called Vacillation that had to do with the passing of the of the classical world into the medieval world that followed, and he used this the the, the, the crucifixion imagery in there, but it had nothing to do with uh, with Addis actually being believed to be crucified in in ancient times. And it, that sort of that's the nutty sort of stuff you get with these people, particularly those on that end of the on the on this stranger end end of the spectrum. um with carrier, you get a, you get different sorts of. With carrier, you get less that than really strained arguments, it's but, extremely
2: strained arguments. Well, let's look at carrier's position, there, because this one, I mean, this one has passed peer review. We have to say that, but mm-hmm. I mean, you got this whole process really comes from or We have Jesus mm-hmm. was really crucified in the spiritual realm, and this, according to the ascension. Of Isaiah, there wasn't an earthly Jesus. There was a celestial Jesus, and that's why Paul doesn't really say anything about a historical Jesus because there wasn't a historical Jesus. I mean, that well, that can sound convincing to some people. Yeah, but
1: the problem is Paul did <laughs> um, in a number of places, you know. But what you find with with um, Jesus mythicism dealing with Paul, and in fact, this will be one of the the. The two books from now, I'll be uh, well, one of the e-books in the series. Two books from now will be on on Memphis and Paul. <laughs> um, but what you find is that they spend a lot of time arguing that something that is perfectly obvious, if you just read the text,
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't obvious. Actually, it actually means something else
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you would have never have dreamt of in in a million years. That's what it really means. So basically, they spend spend a lot of time arguing that what is perfectly obvious to anyone who reads it actually means something that you would have never thought of in a million years.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Let's use two examples. Okay. Okay. The the Um, things I have in mind are, first off, uh, both in Galatians, James, mm -hmm. the brother of the Lord, in chapter 1, and then chapter 4, Jesus being born under the law. Right. First of all,
1: James, the brother, in, in, in Galatians, James is referred to as the brother of the Lord. Now, what, <clears throat> what he argues, what, what is argued by Doherty and, 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 Car- and other people is that James was a member of some, that, that basically brother of the Lord was a term for, for other, basically for Christians in general. They're brothers of the Lord. Or brethren of the Lord, and sometimes they argue for a special group of Christians or whatever. James, the brother of the Lord. Well, first of all, uh, if there were any special group of Christians, I think Peter would have been in it, mm-hmm. and he's and he's mentioned in the same passage, and he's not called bro- the he doesn't say they're brother Peter and James, the brothers of the Lord, or it, it, so that that right away is it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Also. You're, if you're dealing with Christians in general, the whole thing doesn't make any sense because everyone you're talking about in that passage are Christians. Mm-hmm. in fact, none of these are Christians are apostles <laughs> mm-hmm. so why would you have to point out that you know here's a bunch of apostles and by the way, this one's a Christian
0: mm-hmm.
1: what sense does that make it, it, you <laughs> know, it, 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 because they're all Christians you, you, there's no reason but if you believe Jesus was an historical person, and that he, he had a brother named James, which, by the way, and I'll, I want to get back to that in a minute, if you believe that, it makes perfect sense. Right. And the reason it makes perfect sense is because at Paul, when he's talking about that period, that's right after he converted. It's in the earliest years of the church. At that point, there were two key figures, in fact, three, if you want to care, but, but at least in terms of really key figures in the church named James, there were two of them. James, the brother of the Lord, and James, the brother of John. Mm -hmm. James, the son of... James, son of Zebedee. um, Who was an apostle, who was one of the twelve. He... He mentions... And and the reason he mentioned James, the brother of the Lord, is because in that passage, in that passage, he talks about seeing three people. James... uh, excuse me, John, Peter, and James. Um, if you're familiar with the New Testament, John, Peter, and James, John's brother, were almost like an inner circle, like Jesus' closest people in, that, in the, of the 12. A lot of times when, when they went off, like those three would go off with Jesus by themselves, you know, in, in a lot of key instances in the gospel. They were like the, almost the inner circle of the twelve. They were the key people. So if someone had just seen those three names mentioned, they would naturally assume he meant James the brother of John, because James, Peter, and John always go together.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: he didn't mean that one. He meant James the brother of the Lord, so he specified it to point that, no, I don't mean that James, I mean this James.
2: Right. And, and there it,
1: it makes perfect And and he doesn't call that James in Jerusalem Brother of the Lord later Because the other James is dead Mm -hmm. He he was executed Mm -hmm. Um, So he's martyred So at that point When he's talking about the James Who's head of the church of Jerusalem At the time he's writing Everyone knows who that is He doesn't have to specify it. But when he goes back to the early days of the church And mentions a James he saw with Peter and John If he meant that James, who was brother of the Lord, he has to specify him, because they'll assume it was the other James.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking right now of two different things. First off, Bart Ehrman has said about this. If Jesus didn't exist, his brother would have probably known about it. Yes. And second, that this isn't the only place that we're talking about, is that uh, Josephus even talks about Jesus being the brother of James.
1: Right, exactly. It's... Now, on the other passage you mentioned, which was the, the born of a woman born under the law, mm-hmm. um, this is perfectly clear terminology. Mm-hmm. And born under the law means you are under under the law means that the law is, applies to you. For example, uh, let's say... Caiaphas. We're, we're, we, I'm going to pick a, a Jew living in Israel that no one can deny the, the historicity of. Caiaphas. We, have his, we have his grave. You know, we have his ossuary. Caiaphas. Caiaphas was born under the law. What it means is he was born under the law. That means you were subject to the law. That means you're basically from the seed of Abraham. You're, you're a Jew at that mm-hmm. point. That's what it means to be born under the law. Uh, Pontius Pilate was not born under the law. Because Pontius Pilate is not a Jew. He's not born under the law. He's born under he, he now he may be as Paul said a law a law unto himself because the the natural law is written on his heart, but he's not under the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. Not under the law of Moses. So what he's saying is Jesus, first of all, is born of a woman because he does talk about Jesus pre existing. So and, and coming down. So he says he was born of a woman, which obviously born of a woman. There's not a whole lot of ways you can get around that, okay? Uh-huh. Born of a woman, it means what it says, and it says what it means. Uh-huh. Born of a woman, born under the law. But born under the law, specifically,
0: specifically,
1: <laughs> mentions, um, specifically means you're under the law of Moses. If you are under the law of Moses, you're human, first of uh-huh. all. You're human. You know, ethereal beings in the sublunar realm don't have a law of Moses. You know right. why, in fact, it doesn't even apply to most people on Earth at that point, the Law of Moses. You, mm-hmm. you have to be a human being to have the law of Moses to be under the law. You have to be a human being. There's no getting around it. And he's making this point. And, and if you go to the context, and here's the whole thing you've got, and one of the things I'll be doing in the book when I write it on Paul, is going through the whole writers. From the beginning of the letter, because it makes it a pass, it makes a whole point. It builds up on points, and you can't just take this little part out. Because a few chapters earlier, he's talking about a promise to Abraham, and he builds it up through history. He goes through salvation history until he gets to this point when the promise is fulfilled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says that he's <clears throat> born under the law, and that and and. Born of a woman, born under the law. It's the promise he made back to Abraham, and here's the fulfillment. And he goes through this whole thing of how God fulfilled His promise. Okay, and
0: right.
1: and it's it, it's pretty obvious if you read it in context, and you and even if, as, To be honest, it's even obvious if you quote mine it. To be hmm. honest, because if you see born of a woman, born under the law, well, born of a woman, okay, he's he's a guy. He's a person, and he's human, and there's some law he's born under, uh, whatever law that may be. Maybe you don't know it at that point, but yeah, you know, it's it's even. But what they have to do is is explain it all away, right? And and they these complicated <clears throat> arguments that make no one would have dreamt of in a million years had they not wanted Jesus not to exist. Mm-hmm. It simply doesn't make their arguments don't make any sense.
2: Well, I'd like to say at this point that. This is the Deeper Waters Podcast, and this podcast is sent out to you freely, but it takes work to put this together, and I want to encourage you out there, please join in the work. I know a lot of you really like listening to the podcast, you listen to it while you're driving, and things like that, it's wonderful, I love hearing that, know, I want to thank my friend Joe Furches recently, for instance, for writing a great review of the Deeper Waters Podcast, it's really good to hear that stuff. But, I'd really appreciate your support in this. Now, if you want to support us, you go to my website at Net, and there are a few ways you can do it. First is, help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries, and there's a link there. You click that, you'll get taken to the Risen Jesus website, website of my father-in-law, Michael Kona, and his wife, Debbie. And you make a donation there. I mean, you email me, or you email Debbie, you get in touch with us, and say, hey, I made a donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. It where? And your donation will be tax deductible. You can also support us by buying books in the Amazon store. You can support us by buying books that I have written or co-written on Amazon. And another way you can do it is now we got it set up. There's a link you can buy jewelry to support us. So, guys, uh, a special day with your ladies coming up, like an anniversary, birthday, something of that sort, you want to do something special? How about buying some jewelry? Okay, you know, you click the link there, the access code is love, and you buy something very special for the lady in your life. And then you contact me, or you contact Lena Clester, who runs the site there, and say, hey, I bought this, I want to go to Deeper waters. Twenty five percent of what you buy will go to deeper waters. So if you're feeling very romantic, you spend a hundred bucks to get your wife some jewelry, we get twenty five bucks. I mean, what kind of deal is that? You get to support a wonderful cause and then you get to get jewelry for your wife and I'm sure a lot of your wives will very much appreciate that. So I'd really encourage you, please consider making donations. We could really use your support. And if you like what we're doing, if you appreciate for harvest. Take part of us in working in the garden. Now, Albert, do you have a an organization charity you'd like to see people donate to? No.
1: Um, no well, I, I, well, if they want to donate to they should donate to you. okay. <laughs> so we'll give you a little plug there. but okay. if if you wanted to help basically with what I'm doing best thing to do is on my website which is labrum.net, labarum.net mm-hmm. there's links to amazon.com on there um even if you don't want to buy one of my books if you if you you can do that certainly but there's links there for those but if you wanted to just click and buy if you buy something at amazon i would get a kickback and basically i i get a little bit out of a certain percentage of it and that just pretty much helps with the books I have to buy to write the book series right. um, because I have to, obviously I've purchased a lot of books to be able to cite all of these things. So, you know, and, 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 and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Kindle <laughs> mm. <laughs> because they're a lot less expensive, but
2: oh, Kindle is wonderful.
1: Yes. Um, but you know, so, um, that, that would help, but I, I'm, I'm not a non-pro. I'm not a, uh, a, a registered charity where you get tax deductions or anything like that, so I don't want to give the impression that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just be you know, like a certain percentage or whatever would go there. Um,
2: when, so, you, when you talk about the kinder, yeah, you know, if you've got a kinder, I've got a kinder file, and you know you can name your kinder so you can identify. I, I have mine named as Nick's Precious. <laughs> <laughs> um um
1: Okay, can I just do one thing? I, I think at this point, since we've been talking about the book series, can I at least just name the books in the book series? <laughs> Absolutely, go ahead. Okay, so so far that the the books in this, if, if you go to, by the way, if you go to labyrinth dot net, um, one of the things, one of the the links says Jesus Mythicism Book Series, and if you go there, there's a whole list of of all the books. That that I'm planning at the moment. Now th- this changes from time to time. If if like if some new thing came out and I felt I had to address it because it, yeah I, I so it might change. But on um, all all of them are listed there. But the ones I've done so far, the first one was a quick survey of Jesus mythicism, which is just a general overlook. It's and and some little food for thought with it, which is not um I'm not if not intended to be a full reputation, but for people who really have no experience with it the other the next one then there's meet the mythosi, which basically gives a little description of each of the major mythosis in both in history and and um and today then the origins of Jesus mythicism which basically deals with how Jesus mythicism came to be in the first place fascinating right there yes that 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 that's a story in and of itself it's a pretty amazing uh, I just sort of it was funny because I just, I, I did, one book kept leading me to another book to another book to another book, and when I, it, it just the whole story is just fascinating because I mm. keep getting more and more information and, and you know, then there's one called Debating Jesus Mythicist which is basically how to approach a a, a a conversation. It's not meant for necessarily for formal debates, but more like the kind you would do online. Right. Um, it just just a, like a, a casual or to talk over the water cooler kind of thing. Then there's one called "Evaluating Jesus Mythesis Means," which basically analyzes a bunch of little catchphrases that keep getting repeated and are just total garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's one called uh, Je- uh, "Jesus and the Son." which basically deals with the whole astrotheology method. The sort of thing when Zeitgeist about the, the sun and the twelve and the, the zodiac and all that and debunks all of that. Then there's one called Prophet of Zeitgeist, which basically is a critique of Jordan Maxwell. A lot of people don't remember Jordan Maxwell because he goes back quite a way. Um, generally that and it really has surprised me. That has been one of the biggest sellers in the series, because apparently a lot of people, his videos or his old videos are all over YouTube. So a lot of people run into it, and and a lot of people think Jordan Maxwell is this incredible scholar, and his, his stuff is just totally out there. It's it's in la la land. I mean, you cannot even explain how bizarre some of the things he claims. But you'll hear his the things he claims. Continually get recycled in in, in 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 movies like Zeitgeist, for example, or The God Who Wasn't There. Uh, so I, I felt it was important to get him out of the way. So I did I did that book, and it, it and then the last one is called, is titled Neither New Nor Strange, which deals with the misquotes of church fathers that people try to use to. Claim Jesus was based on pagan gods, things like Augustine, and or to say that these guys were all scoundrels and 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 things like that. Neither new nor strange. The title of the book is taken from a quote mine that's always used with, with the Church history Eusebius, where where he says Christianity is neither new nor strange, but has always existed. And they claim that that's referring to pagan parallels of some sort. But actually, if you read the chapter. It's, and if you read the whole thing in context, it's referring to Christianity being the successor of the religion of the Old Testament. Right. So I, I deal with a lot of those things in that book. Yeah.
2: Now let's uh, get back to what we were talking about with Paul here. And someone say, okay, you know, maybe I can grant you that Paul talks about Jesus in these passages, but it just seems odd that Paul is so very, very silent. I mean, he hardly ever quotes Jesus. If he does, he doesn't make references to him and he doesn't talk about the details of his life in many cases like he never mentions say the virgin birth or he never mentions the empty tomb or he never mentions the miracles I mean wouldn't Paul want to talk about these things if if they were disputed I'm sure if, if for example in the church of Corinth if
1: instead of the problem being being that they were all acting like a bunch of jerks if, if suddenly they were denying some key tenet of the faith um, like they did for example in Galatia with the salvation by grace, and uh, he would have mentioned it, but he was dealing with specific. The, the, the first thing is that he, Paul, there, there is no gospel of Paul. He never wrote one. He never wrote a biography of Jesus. He, he, it wasn't. Or if he did, it doesn't exist anymore. It, it, mm-hmm. He was writing letters to specific churches or individuals to deal with specific issues. He wrote. To the church in Galatians. and if you, you you look almost if you read the first paragraph of each letter you know what's coming in Galatia you can tell right away he's he's mad <laughs> in the letter to the Galatians you know you've abandoned the gospel and you're chasing another gospel he's talking about them you know going back to the, trying to getting wrapped up in, in the, he's dealing with the Judaizers there in Galatia um Corinth it's all sorts of all sorts of goings on there he's dealing with he, the, the argument there is not over doctrine, it's not over, it's not as though someone were saying Jesus wasn't born by a virgin born of a virgin or something it, it, none of that is, is really dealt with um, because it's not relevant to the conversation, just because like, when I write a letter to someone uh, about like for example on, um, in the last few days a few people have asked me online, have asked me questions online, and I've answered them. And never once did I ever mention the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. The reason is, they, they already believe that, they're Christians. Right. <laughs> they, they're, not saying, they're not saying, you know, I'm really, if, now if, they were, if they had said, I'm really having problems with the virgin birth, I may have said something about it but they were asking me specific questions, there were specific issues I was dealing with, and I dealt with those issues. I wasn't, if someone asked me for prayer, I'm not gonna going to start the, going into the doctrine of the Trinity. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. He's not, those, he, if there was something in Jesus's life that was relevant to the point he was making, he mentioned it. For example, there was obviously with the with the the communion in in Corinth, there was there were obvious problems in the way the meal was conducted, and he points out the proper conduct. And so in doing so, he he mentions on the night he was betrayed, etc. You know the thing that you probably hear it every every um, commu- every time your church has a communion service.
0: Right,
1: right. He he dealt with that there. He mentioned that because it was relevant. Now what was relevant to Paul was the gospel. Above all things the God. He's always he's so gospel focused of uh, the salvation by faith through grace in Christ. He's so focused on that that that's why he's always talking about the cross and the resurrection because those are the things to him that were the center of the gospel. Right. Um Jesus is you know Jesus um you know doing this or Jesus doing that like these miracle stories that was not his intent because remember the only if you, in fact if you read the New Testament the only reason for the miracles was to basically prove that this man was anointed by God right. that, I mean to prove right. to, 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 to act as a witness that, that look he's doing this because they said someone who was just like Moses they the, the proclaimed the prophesied prophet like Moses Moses did miracles Jesus does miracles make the connection uh, he's, the, he's the one that was promised And that's why th- th- But in terms of salvation Those miracles had nothing to do with it that was, to, that was as a witness So if Paul's not There's no reason to mention it after it's done Really mm-hmm. when you think about it. It, has, it The key In fact if you look at the Gospels themselves Even though they mention the miracles Huge chunks of the Gospels are on the final week
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the, In fact most of it is on the final day and a half um, just huge right. chunks in the Last Supper and the Crucifixion, the Resurrection. Reserv- you, you know, that's, that's to Paul is so gospel focused. By the way I, and, and there's one thing I want to add and because this, this ties in with the thing we talked about earlier about about Paul is when sometimes you hear Jesus mythicists argue that Paul did not Paul did not um Know any of the historical details about Jesus' life? Because he he got it. He, everything he knew about Jesus, he never learned anything from the apostles. He got it all in some vision,
2: revelation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yeah. in, in a revelation. Because he mentioned that it was you know he because he said I got the gospel in a revelation. See what they're doing there is an, equi- an error of equivocation. In their minds, facts about Jesus's life is the gospel, because we have this, these books called gospels in which we have Jesus' life. But that's not what Paul was talking about. When he said gospel, he didn't mean a story, a biography of Jesus. He meant literally the good news that, sal- that salvation has come through, through Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. That was the gospel. In fact, he defines what the gospel is. He says that's what it is. That you know, um, when he when he speaks of his crucifixion, then how all these different people saw him, and last of all him, he defines the gospel. That's what he meant. He didn't mean a biography of Jesus. So when they say he got his information, they're tying it back to a, a use of the word gospel. That's anachronistic. That comes later when they start calling those books gospels because they contained the gospel that Paul was talking about. But when he says gospel, he's not talking about a biography of Jesus, so when he says he, he was the vision, what he got in the vision was the was the, was the, uh, was the, uh, the gospel, the idea of salvation by faith, and that's what he brought to, to Jerusalem to the, to the, in, the, in the council there, in the, in the meeting they had, in which basically he said they gave him
2: the right hand of fellowship. That's, that's the gospel, not a biography of Jesus. Couldn't we in fact say that essentially Paul would have to have known what the gospel was... before him... because if he's going around... persecuting Christians... he has to know... what Christians... believe... so he can identify a Christian... and when about... when he received the gospel... I think it usually means... it was confirmed me that... yeah dude... you were in the wrong... the whole time... and Jesus... is right... <laughs> he
1: he had to know... the basic... now he may have had... a very distorted view of it... because he right. would have had... The view, the view of of the... authorities that these guys were troublemakers and they were all started by this troublemaker Jesus that we executed who was going get, to get us all in trouble and, and, and he may have had a distorted view of what Jesus was but he, he nonetheless um, he knew Jesus was a crucified criminal um, he, and, and, and certainly um, once he was converted and this is where it gets so silly once he was converted of, and and he's accepted. Of course, he's going to go to people and say, "Tell me, tell me what you know. Of. Tell me more. You would want he would want to know more. Of course, he's going to go and say, "Tell me more about what Jesus was like when you you were when you walked with him and and things like that." So obviously, he knew a lot of this stuff. But what happens is people will point, look at that one passage that says he received the gospel in a vision in in a revelation. Mm-hmm. And say, and say that he, he received everything he knows about Jesus in a revelation, that's not what he's talking about or he received the knowledge that we're saved by faith in a revelation, and if you look at the context, that's obviously what he's talking about
2: yeah, when we uh, look at two other passages on those lines 1st Corinthians 11 and 1st Corinthians 15, where first mm-hmm. when, he, when he talks about the communion traditions as I receive from the Lord where Craig Kino yes. points out that if you look at the way Jews talk about that now, they said they claim to have received things from Sinai it didn't mean they got a special revelation it meant the origin of a tradition I'm telling you, it goes all the way back to Moses and Paul would trace this back to the Lord for a simple reason the Lord mm-hmm. was the one who said it he doesn't yes. say the same thing in First Corinthians 15 because Jesus never made a statement about his appearing to many people and such
1: right he, 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 he they, they don't understand the context, the social context, particularly within Judaism. Mm-hmm. They don't get that at all. They don't understand the way things were... It was a, it, an alien culture. And and, and, and it, it, it's alien. Um, there's things that sometimes Jesus... In fact, we got into this discussion. I got into this discussion on um, Facebook today with someone where they were talking about you know, were there? Did Jesus ever make any jokes? Like say something funny? And I pointed out one, but you had to know the con, the social context to understand. I don't, I'm, and I, I, can't. I meant to look it up, and because I, I can't remember exactly where it was. But the Pharisees were accusing him, or someone was accusing him of working on the Sabbath, and he made, and he he said something along the lines of, you know, of sweeping. Did you sweep your floors?
2: Or something like that on the Sabbath morning. Do you, know, do you remember what I'm talking about? I think it was on the lines of, don't you take your ox or donkey out and wa- give him water on the Sabbath morning? Yes.
1: And and, and he, it also mentions about cleaning in there, too. The story on that is that in Jewish homes of the time, in, in, in that Jewish homes of the time, they had the lower room and the upper room. And people slept in the upper room, and the lower room they put the animals inside at night mm-hmm. believe it or not, they right. did um it, unless they were rich and had much bigger houses. but if for the average person, they would bring the the the, the animals in at night to, so they wouldn't first of all so they wouldn't wander away, so they wouldn't get stolen whatever and so by if, by saying that he's almost uh, sort of uh, accusing the, them of basically, well, w- wouldn't you have cleaned that mess they left
0: up?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. It was actually like a snide remark because the, the the everyone who was there knows what he's talking about and they know mm-hmm. what he's talking about and they should sheepishly walk away.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I you know, Pun intended. You can only see the humor, the the sarcasm, um, but but it's it's a great line. I mean, if yeah. you under, but you only get it if you you're only in on the joke if you understand the context.
2: Yeah, I like to point out, for instance, how when the the uh, disciples are plucking the wheat, passing the fears, and the Pharisees gave them and Jesus says, "Hey guys, uh, haven't you read this story?" And what people miss is Jesus has just smacked them in the face with some harsh sarcasm because he just a <laughs> Have you not read? Uh, yeah, these are the yes. guys of a PhDs in Old Testament. Yes,
1: and 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 not only that, but and, and I think this is particularly—it's something we've we've got to keep in mind. A lot of times, if you read those passages, um, when when he when he, says, when he says when he's pointing to the Old Testament, he says, "Has God not?" You know, and he speaks about God speaking to you. Not mm-hmm. have you read? But hasn't had have, have have you not heard?
2: Right.
1: Um, and so, what basically, he's he's using so, or has God not he's he's looking upon the scriptures as literally the words of God, mm-hmm. and that's the approach he has. And I think a lot of times it, Christians have to remember that um, in in that what what we're dealing with with scripture.
2: Okay. We have one thing I'm we just, have. Just, I think one thing we have to talk about here we've got maybe about 15 or 20 minutes left but we need to discuss it Some we haven't discussed it too much is that well we also know though that Jesus is a copy of Mithras or Dionysus or Osiris or Addis or all these other deities it's the same story over and over uh, no Um. The, the, the rundown is the you know, born of a
1: virgin, born. You know, on December 25th, um, crucified, died, rose again, performed. Well, look, look, some of them, some. There are some parallels. Again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not. No one denies that. Perform miracles. Well, I mean, when you think about it, they're gods. I mean, right. at least the, the, the they, 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 pagans believe they had these these gods existed. So of course, their story is going to have miracles, and it because You know, that's part of the job description of a deity. Yeah. You know it 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 go kind of it's sort of like he healed someone well you know no self respecting god is not gonna he- be able to do a few healings here and there right uh-huh. um their there are stories they're not gonna they're not gonna say my god can't heal when the when the god next door can- uh-huh. um so, so, so but but there's stuff about um like like the famous Cursey Graves book from the 1800s uh, 16 Crucified Saviors well in terms of crucified saviors we're still at one right okay um, there, there were no crucified go- other crucified gods the closest you might come is um, one of them got tied to a rock uh, <laughs> but Prometheus. that's not crucified Prometheus yes Prometheus got tied to the rock mm-hmm. um, but but, you know, in terms of the... And and sometimes, okay, when you're dealing with the virgin birth, part of the... One thing you'll notice is they all... A lot of times they always cite scholars from the 19th century. Right. Um, what, see, one of the problems is in the 19th century, there was this idea of like a one-size-fiddle pla- uh, platform for religion. That basically we want to make every religion seem the same. So they expand definitions... And, and generalize as much as possible to say it all fits in. It's sort of like the hero myth thing. Um mm-hmm. and and what what ends up happening is you generalize enough, you can fit any story in. Um and, and one of them one of them I'll I'll in fact I'll point out um that in in the next book, which is dealing with the pagan parallels, is um going to be uh, I'll point out that I, I Found a way to completely, and this amazing list of parallels between Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan. Therefore, Genghis Khan does not ex- did not actually exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. <laughs> but no, that's not tr- that, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the, the, if you generalize enough, you can get. But the virgin thing. What ends up happening is the there are words in Egyptian and many languages of the time. The word for young woman, the word for virgin, the word for chaste woman, like an ideal woman to marry, were all the same word. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the only way you can tell which one they're talking about is in context. Um, so you even the word parthenon, the Greek for virgin, can also mean a young woman, but obviously you know they're talking about a virgin in this case in the case of Jesus mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they spe- she spe- Mary specifically says but I've known no man <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know what you, they're talking about there right but in but in some of the others you know they're not really talking about that they're mm-hmm. talking about a yo- like a, a young woman in the case of Isis a be- something like the ideal Isis was always portrayed as the ideal woman um Nowhere in there does it say she that um, she never that she was a virgin in the in the sense that of of that we would think of okay mm-hmm. um, it it just it just isn't there and and or they'll say you know you know Virgo well the problem is, like Virgo you know from from the well we get our, we get the word virgin from Virgo but actually in Latin Virgo meant young woman mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it also could mean virgin in, in if if the context made sense. But Virgo actually meant young, maiden, basically. A lot of these words were the equivalent of maiden. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some, you could, which were arguably virgin births. But they were so strange, so bizarre, you couldn't possibly think of them <laughs> as parallels.
2: As, as this comes to mind.
1: Things like um, Perseus,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Zeus spills a seed, and up springs some horrible monster, I forget what they call them, and they castrate him, Zeus decides that that was a mistake, so he sends somebody to castrate the monster, and then from the blood, from the castration, up comes a, uh, an almond tree, and Nana sits down at the almond tree, and an almond basically enters her womb somehow, or she eats it or something, and then it becomes... Perseus. I mean, you know, she is, she is pregnant. If she was already a virgin, you could argue that's a virgin birth, but that's not exactly, that doesn't sound anything like, this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: that's not a parallel, really. I mean, it, it, you know, and, and more importantly, virgin, the concept of her being a virgin is not important to that story. It wouldn't matter if she were a virgin or not. Mm-hmm. She'd yeah. still be pregnant. <laughs> it, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, in the in the story of Jesus, it did matter. It was specified.
2: Yes, God. Now, vain when it comes to some, I mean, we, we can also make a cases. I mean, Mithras. I mean, heck, that rock was definitely a virgin, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, now, see, it, it, it depends on
1: on which Mithr. Well, see, people. One of the things people get confused is there's Mithra and there's Mithras. Uh-huh. The Roman one is Mithras. What happened? to Romans in, in the Hellenistic period. And in, in late antiquity, there was this idea of mystery cults that arose, which basically took already existing deities and built whole new new religions around them um that weren't like the Isis cult of late antiquity was not the same as the Isis cult that the Egyptians had mm-hmm. in early this was they they turned everything into Hellenistic mystery cults, and one of them was the persian mithra. But actually it's kind of odd if you follow the the history of it the, a good argument can be made that the that the Roman mithras was a a, a conflation of the Persian Mithra and the um Greek god perseus
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and that, and that basically the the but people will take the Persian Mithra, a bit from the Persian Mithra, and a bit from the Roman Mithras, and claim this is all the same god, and they're not. They're, they're mm-hmm. two, basically two separate gods. Um, but Mithras is born from a rock. Now, Mithra, again, it's one of those weird, maybe you could call it a virgin birth, <laughs> you know, one of those weird ones. Basically, some god or other, I think it was Uhura Mazda, spills his seed into a lake, and some someone goes into the lake, a girl goes into the lake and gets pregnant from it. Mm. I, you know, you, but again, that's not really, a, it's not a legitimate parallel. And by the way, if the one place the mythicists um, will never look for parallels to Jesus is the place where it tells you to look. Which is the Old Testament mm-hmm. to, to look back as, as, to an antitype or prototype or, or a, a you know a sign basically of the coming Messiah so for example, you go to second Samuel chapter six and it talks about Mary well it talks about the ark coming to David David dances in front of the ark, Mary carrying Jesus comes to Elizabeth, John the Baptist sleeps in the womb um, that David says who am I that the ark of the Lord will come to me? And you can, you know, what's going to happen? And of course, the, the mother of my Lord will come to me. Would be with Elizabeth, etc. So there's, it's obviously a looking there, but they never look to the, they don't want to link it to Judaism,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though that's the obvious place to look. They want to link it to paganism, even though that would have had no, no concept at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they would. Well, someone like Robert Price might try to do that. Sometimes he does. Try and argue that the New Testament is just pretty much taking the stories in the Old Testament and putting them to give them some sort of mismatch.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is, with with Robert Price, Robert Price, it, it, with Robert Price, I find that it it depends on what day you you, you talk to him. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I mean, I've seen him say things that are all over the place. Like he one day he'll be talking about pagan parallels, the next day he'll be talking about Jewish parallels. Well, what's the difference between a foretaste of, or, of a Jewish parallel or someone basically getting out of that those things and making them, make, and writing a story to fulfill them? Well, the obvious thing is that what they take out are, if you looked at what they're trying to link it to, never in a million years would you have thought of taking of the of the fulfillment that happened, you see what I'm saying, right? You would have. This is not. If they were to take something, they would have. They would have made it a story about some conquering hero. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have made it a story like this. Mean this is looking forward to him being crucified. Well, <laughs> that's not. That's not. They they would have had. You know, if they were going to make up a messiah that died and will come back, they would have had him dying in the battle in seventy A.D. Right. Okay. He would have died, or they, or they, they or they would have said Bar was the uh, the Messiah, and he'll be coming back. If they mm-hmm. were, if 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 if, they, if the people themselves were, it was going to be someone who died heroically in battle, not someone who was humiliated up on a cross.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Jews were also very resistant to pagan religion for the most part. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely, and you just. It, the whole, the, and and the, and the the thing is now you know some people will argue well there were Hellenized Jews that that exhibited lots of sort of quasi pagan things the problem is those Jews were like in Rome
0: mm-hmm. or
1: in, in 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 Asia Minor the ones in Jerusalem that area in Judea they were the, they were the ones that the Romans would have called the troublemakers
0: mm-hmm. they
1: were the hard you know. They, you didn't do that there. you know. I mean, remember, just putting, trying to put a statue up in, in, in the
2: temple caused riots. Right. <laughs> so so they, they were they were
1: not into that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Albert, uh, we've had a fascinating discussion, but unfortunately we're coming to a time where we do have to start wrapping things up. I can mind when you can go and look up Albert McElhenney on the uh, on amazon that's M-C-I-L-H-E-N-N-Y, and you can buy the ebooks for two hundred ninety nine a piece which is about as low as he could get them and very very incredibly informative i urge you to do it um, now what if uh, people want to find out more about you uh, do you have a blog or website or a way people can get in touch with you
1: yes uh just go to Labarum.net, dot net dot net i also want to mention that I will be putting videos up, and it'll be announced on the blog where you can where you can let, go go watch them. Where I'm going to pretty much go through a course on Jesus Mythicism that'll go through a lot of the books, and you, they, they and they can watch the videos too. Mm-hmm. So, but the books give them the information in more detail. The videos will be more like an overview.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, do you have uh, any final message you'd like to leave today for the Deeper Waters audience? Yes. Um, if and, and look, I, I I
1: totally can empathize with people who see this material and they don't have the background, and they get they get shaken up, they 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 get afraid. But the thing is, there so there are people out there who can answer these questions. You mm-hmm. can go to my site, you can go to Nick's site, you can go to, to JP Holdings' site at tectonics. dot org. I think it is. Is that correct? Yeah, tectonics and, and you, there's answers out there you don't have to panic the answers are out there and the fact is you talk to Scott again I said with the Horace parallels just ask them name, name one living Egyptologist who agrees with this there isn't any
0: mm-hmm.
1: this stuff is not serious so what I'm saying is just don't panic the answers are out there you, you may just have to look a little but you can start at my site Nick's site, holding site And you'll certainly have enough to keep you busy.
2: Well, I would like to thank you for being on here, and I hope to see you again here sometime. Okay, yes, I'd
1: I'd be happy to. Thank you.
2: And I'd like to remind everyone that next week, we're going to have on, hopefully, either Deb Hirsch or Greg West. Deb Hirsch wrote, Redeeming Sex, Greg West, in charge of the poached egg. We'll find out what's coming up. For now, I am Nick Peters, and I am signing off.